All right, welcome back to another edition of Baseball Banter. I'm your host, Justin Gianelli. After a very wild weekend, um, we haven't been with you for two weeks. Last week, Father's Day, did not get a chance to record. And um, we have not been able to record on some of the Wednesdays recently. Maybe we'll get one next Wednesday with uh, me being at Mets Astros on June 29th. And we're actually going to start with the Houston Astros in just a minute, but... You know, we're definitely back on the Sunday grind, um, at least, but maybe we'll get a new episode on Wednesday. But starting with the Houston Astros, and they finished off a four-game series today with the New York Yankees, in which they didn't trail for a single inning except the ninth, and... They allowed two walk-off home runs. They, or I'm sorry, two walk-off wins. It was a walk-off base hit, walk-off single by Aaron Judge on Thursday. And then you had the walk-off three-run homer today by Aaron Judge. But in the midst of all that was a nice tidy win on Friday night. And then a no-hitter yesterday. A combined no hitter and you know looking at where you know where we are this season you know with you know this being the third no hitter um you had the Mets combined no hitter you had the Reed Detmers uh solo no hitter and then you had this Astros no hitter and it was the first time I believe, at, at the very least, it was the first time in the Bronx that the Yankees had been no-hit since the Astros of 2003. And this game was started by Christian Javier, who went the first seven innings. Um, he walked one, struck out 13. And then you had Hector Neris pitch a uh, hitless inning with two walks. And then Ryan Presley with... Two strikeouts in a perfect ninth inning. And after the uh, no-hitter yesterday, you had a no-hitter today carry into the late innings. The Yankees, I believe, today got their first hit in, I want to say it was the seventh. Yeah, it was the seventh inning. It was a Giancarlo Stanton. Solo homer off Jose Urquidy uh, with nobody on, with with uh, one out. So six and a third today. You uh, they didn't get a hit in the ninth inning on Friday night. So in in total, uh, it was sixteen and a third hitless innings for the New York Yankees. And you would never know that this team was hitless in the, into the seventh by just looking at the final score. You know the Yankees win today six to three. Again, on the strength of the Aaron Judge, three-run homer in his 28th of the year. He now has 56 RBIs on the season, which actually is amazing because for somebody who has 28 home runs, you'd think he'd probably be around 70, 75 RBIs. Um, Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Aaron Judge bats usually second. I've seen him lead off a couple of times, but he's usually batting second in the order. And when you do that, it's it's a ploy to get more at-bats, but... You're also going to be put in a lot of situations where you're not coming up with as many guys on base. And 21 of his 28 home runs are of the solo variety. So 
I mean, it was a heavyweight battle in the Bronx. The Astros won two games. The Yankees won two games. The Yankees bookended the series by winning Thursday and Sunday. Uh, the Astros Friday and Saturday. And, I mean, this, if this is what our America League Championship Series is going to be come October, I mean, then we're in for an absolute treat because the Astros with the loss today are 45-27. and 27. Uh, The Yankees with the winner now 53-20. and 20. And the Yankees are still on a very, very torrid pace heading towards 100-plus wins, you know, potentially setting the record. You know, we'll see whether or not they if, if they're able to do that. But, you know, with that being said, the battle between the Yankees and Astros are sure to provide uh, great theatrics. Now, they still have to play each other in Houston, and on Thursday they will play one of the three games, and the other two will be played uh, the first game after the All-Star break on July 21st. The reason for that was the Yankees were supposed to open their season in Texas playing the Rangers and the Astros for three apiece. And, you know, because of the lockout, they were not able to. So they're going to make up one of those games. And so that, for the Astros, concludes a nine-game stretch where it's only New York teams. And, you know, it was after winning two in a row against the New York Mets on... Tuesday and Wednesday, they play the New York Mets this Tuesday and Wednesday as well. They're coming to City Field, and you know and it's a good it's a good test for the Mets. You know they didn't pass the test the first time. You hope Carlos Carrasco uh, could go out there and pitch better. Obviously, he was dealing with a bit of a bit of back tightness and couldn't finish his pitches. Um, but all systems are go. He's cleared to pitch on Tuesday. Maybe Taiwan Walker on Wednesday, and. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know if the Astros have announced their uh, rotation of yet. Well, they, there will be Luis Garcia on Tuesday. And on Wednesday, that's a 110 game at City Field. It's, a, it's funny. You have dueling. It'll be Framber Valdez. You have dueling 1 o'clock games in New York City. On uh, Wednesday, with the Yankees and A's playing at Yankee Stadium at 105, and then the Mets and Astros play at 110. So it would be dueling New York baseball games at home. So, you know, that and that's rare because usually when the Mets are home, the Yankees are on the road, and vice versa. And. You know, you, you get your rare couple of series per year where both are home at the same time. And this is one of them, and both are playing during the day. So, the Astros and Yankees split 2-2. And we'll see if there are more fireworks when they play in Houston. Again, more of a separated series because of the lockout. Speaking of fireworks, I mean, what happened today between the Seattle Mariners and the Los Angeles Angels. Um, I mean, we'll go to the Angels in depth because some amazing things happened this week, um, including Shohei Otani. But today, Jesse Winker gets hit by the Angels, and you know he's not happy. He has some words for the Angel pitcher, and... 
he goes after him, and you know, and and this was not your standard, you know, benches clearing, and you know everybody just needs to be separated. No, there were legit punches thrown, and this was from Andrew Wance, the man who hit Jesse Winker. Uh, he was one of eight players who got ejected in this game, and. You know, he, you know, he ended up hitting Jesse Winker. I mean, Julio Rodriguez got ejected. Winker ejected. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Josh Harrison got ejected. Uh, uh, Monty Harrison, I'm sorry. Monty Harrison got ejected. Um, you know, once got ejected. I mean, all in all, again, eight players. Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, Jesse Winker, Mariner shortstop J.P. Crawford, center fielder Julio Rodriguez, Angels interim manager Phil Nevin, uh, Angels pitcher Ryan Tapera, uh, Angels pitcher Rysel Iglesias, Andrew Wance, uh, Mariners manager Scott Cervais, and looks like Tapera got ejected twice in this game. But um, so that ensued and. I mean, it was one of the more wild brawls we've seen in quite some time. And, you know, obviously these are division rivals. This will linger over. They will meet again. They will meet again at at Angel Stadium. They'll meet again at at T-Mobile Park. Um, And I don't think this is the last last we've heard of, of uh, of the fisticuffs. So, I mean, obviously, clearly, Jesse Winker was frustrated with getting hit. And we've seen, and we see the dangers of what it's like getting hit. Now he got hit in the backside. Uh, nothing uh, where it looks like it was going to break a bone, because you know there was a bone broken by a hit by pitch. You know, and the Mets have dodged their own bullets, getting hit in the hand, get getting hit in the area, the wrist where you know you could definitely break a bone. You know, with the way these pitchers throw hard. But you know, and and that that'll be my next topic with the Phillies. Because that that has major ramifications um, for their season going forward. But to finish off this point, um, you know, Winker was clearly upset about getting hit, and you know he he took exception, and you know it created a legit brawl, and it got dangerous because it started off by the dugout. The last thing you need is somebody falling into the dugout because they get pushed or something. You know, and next thing you know, they dislocate his shoulder. They're out in the next six weeks. You know, the last thing you need is Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, getting, uh, you know, getting hurt in, in a skirmish like this. So, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's interesting, but you know, it was uh, and the most unnecessary thing. Bryson Iglesias takes a box of sunflower seeds and just tosses it onto the field, throws it from like couple steps from the dugout throws it to like where, where the foul line is by the home by home plate it's actually pretty impressive but pretty unnecessary to be honest with you um so that happened today the angels won the game two to one um they scored two in the seventh on a luis rengifo solo homer and then an rbi single by uh david mckinnon so, speaking of the Angels, and that's this is the, uh, before we hit onto the Phillies, you know, you had a wild week for Shohei Otani, 
because Otani on Tuesday night has two three-run homers, has eight RBIs. It's a back-and-forth game. The Angels keep coming back. The Angels keep clawing back from deficits. And then they end up losing in extra innings. Uh, I think the final was like 12 to 10. This was against the uh, Royals, I believe. And, you know, they so they kept on. They kept on chugging away. They kept coming back. And it was one of the, it was one of the more wild baseball games um, I, I think anybody has ever, has ever seen. 12-11 was the final in that game. Uh, again, Shoei Otani was three for four. He had uh, two home runs, one in the sixth, one in the ninth, both, again, with two on. You know, Jared Walsh hit, Jared Walsh hits for the cycle. Oh, no, I'm sorry, he was missing, he missed the single. He had double, triple homer. Um, uh, you know, he had himself uh, two RBIs, but Otani, eight RBIs in this game. They score, they score 11 runs, they lose. You know, and that was because in the top of the 11th, the Angels, I'm sorry, the Royals get a run on a Whit Merrifield RBI double, and then Whit Merrifield scores on a Kyle Isbell single. In the top half of the 11th. And guess what? Shoei Otani sacrificed fly at the bottom of the 11th. But it wasn't enough. And the Angels lost that game. The next night, Shohei Otani took the mound. And it was probably the best performance of his career. Shohei Otani pitched eight innings, allowed two hits, walked only one, struck out 13 batters. I mean, if that doesn't award you player of the week for the American League. I don't know what does because that pitching performance is one of the great pitching performances we had certainly ever seen from Shohei in his 4 or 5 years, you know, that he's been with the with the Angels, you know, ever since he's come stateside. And, you know, his bat is lethal and his arm is even more lethal. You know, and he he went 1 for 3. With two walks in this game. So he was clearly getting on base. And clearly making an impact. You know. All over the field. So. those were, that, that was a couple of the. Uh, of the things I saw from the Angels. Um, and then. Let's go over to the Phillies now. And then I want to talk about the. I'll talk about the Baltimore Orioles a little bit because the Orioles are playing some really, really good baseball. But um, let's look at the Phillies real quick. You know, the Phillies have been playing some really good baseball of late. They are clearly, um, you know, trying to climb their way back into the National League East. You know, the Braves have the Braves have done some closing. Um, you know, the Braves currently sit at four and a half games back at forty-two and thirty-one. Um, but the Mets lost today; they're forty-seven and twenty-seven. So uh, they'll either be five games up if the Dodgers beat the Braves or they will be four games up by virtue of a Braves victory. So, But the Philadelphia Phillies right now are eight games back in the National League East. They are, you know, and that's after defeating the, Philly, uh, defeating the Padres today and winning the second game of the, their second game of the series. Uh, the Phillies sit at 39-35. You know, and they've played some incredible baseball um, since they fired Joe Girardi. But 
some severe consequences come from last night's win. Uh, and that was Bryce Harper taking a 97-mile-per-hour fastball uh, to the thumb. Hit by Blake Snell. And I'm going to get the inning for you. Um it was in the fourth inning of last night's game. Uh, Blake Snell, clearly not not intentional, but a, you know a ninety-seven point two mile per hour fastball um, for a small a, a small body part like the thumb with a lot of small bones. You know that's you know you know easily some but you know something that you, you could you could fracture. And you know Bryce Harper suffers a broken thumb, and he's going on the IL, but. And you know we're not sure if he's going to have to require surgery. And if it requires surgery, I mean, you're already. You know, today's June the twenty sixth. You know, we're five days out from July first, meaning there's three months left of the season. Is he going to miss ten to twelve weeks? Because if he does, that's going to end his season, and that would be an incredible blow to the Philadelphia Phillies' chances because Bryce Harper. Is having, you know, I don't know if I would consider him the favorite for MVP this year, but he's having a hell of a year. You know, Paul Goldschmidt's having a tremendous year. Pete Alonso's having a tremendous year, and you could certainly put them in the MVP race. But Bryce Harper can belong in the conversation as well. Three eighteen batting average, fifteen home runs, forty eight RBIs, forty nine runs scored, and a two point six WAR, a nine eighty five OPS. A 385 on base percentage. Um, He's drawn 26 walks. I mean, it is conceivable that he was going to be in the MVP race yet again. But this is going to be a significant loss for the Phillies. I mean, they're talking about missing multiple months. I mean, if he's out till September 1st, and misses all of July and August. I mean, how are the Phillies going to tread water without him? Because their lineup has not been consistent aside from Bryce Harper. And you take and you take him out of that lineup, and that lineup looks a lot less scary. You know, JT Realmuto is having a very bad year, hitting two thirty-seven with five homers, twenty-eight RBIs. Just a sixty-eight, just a six-eighty OPS. Um, you know, Reese Hoskins is batting two forty-six with thirteen homers, thirty-seven RBIs. He's got a seven ninety-four OPS. You know, Gene Segura is out for a long time. You know, Didi Gregorius is you know okay, but he's not hitting for any power. And you know, Kyle Schwarber is the one guy who scares you in that lineup, and he's really not even all that great. You know, because he is batting two fifteen. And a slugging of 480, you know, slugging 488, you know, and his non base percentage of 339, but he's really an all or nothing guy who's already struck out 90 times, which is way more than everybody else on the team. I mean, Reese Hoskins is, clo- is the closest with 77, that's a 13 strikeout difference. Um, but, you know, Kyle, Kyle Schwarber has 20 home runs, 42 RBIs, and now. He's the one guy in that lineup you can't let beat you. Nick Castellanos is having a terrible year, hitting 242 with a 677 OPS. A guy like Nick Castellanos should not be under 7800 for OPS. 
I mean, that's unacceptable. He's at 677. Um, you know, and Schwarber's 827 is really not that great because his his batting average and on-base percentage is so low that his OPS is a lot lower. And, you know, Nick Castellanos, only seven home runs, 36 RBIs, only 30 runs scored. It's not been a productive year for Nick. And there are guys who are going to have to step up in this Philadelphia lineup to combat the loss of Bryce Harper. I mean, they've already been missing him in the field because he's been dealing with that UCL injury in his throwing elbow. And it's forced an everyday outfield of Kyle Schwarber, Odubel Herrera, and Nick Castellanos, which might be the worst defensive outfield in baseball history. Now, throw on top of that, his bat's not going to be in the lineup for the foreseeable future. And you got a problem. In a division where the New York Mets are really good, the Atlanta Braves are really good, the Phillies don't have answers right now. You know, their pitching staff has been okay. But aside from Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, who do you trust in that rotation? Kyle Gibson's pitching to a 4.06 ERA, and he's got a whip of 1.2. You know, Ranger Suarez is a 4.23 ERA and a whip of 1.48. And then a 1.2 whip and a 4.37 ERA from Zach Eflin. I mean, who do you really trust in this rotation? I mean, their bullpen has has had its share of disasters. Corey Knable has a has a respectable 3-3-8 ERA, but we've seen him blow a lot of games. Jerry's Familia is up over 5.5. Nick Nelson's up over 5. Jose Alvarado's got an ERA over 6. Uh, James Norwood's pitched 20 games. He's got an ERA over 8. I mean, who do you trust in this Philadelphia bullpen or in the Philadelphia rotation aside from Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler? You just don't. So you can't trust their pitching. Their lineup now takes a significant hit without Bryce Harper. And this is probably the end of the Phillies this year. This is probably it. And look, look I'll eat my words if it, comes, if it comes back to bite me and the Phillies are in the thick of things come mid-September. And you know what? If they survive, with, if they survive without Bryce Harper, then that's a credit to Rob Thompson. Because they've played so much better. Since Rob Thompson was was named interim manager and they fired Joe Girardi. So we will see I mean we'll see going forward. And you know, we'll see if the Phillies are going to be able to survive it. But, you know, considering considering the fact that, you know, you already have two of the best teams in the National League. Uh, okay, you can throw the Dodgers in there, obviously. The Padres are having a great year as well. But, you know, the Braves and Mets are two of the best teams in the National League. And they're going to fight it out tooth and nail. The Mets and Braves play 15 times still. They've only played that one series at City Field. It was a four-game series. Both teams won two games. Um, and I don't know if... I just don't know that the Phillies are going to be able to um, keep up. Speaking of the Atlanta Braves, real quick, update time. You know, it is 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sunday, June 26th. Dodgers and Braves are the Sunday night baseball game on the television right now. Um, It is scoreless in the fourth inning. Spencer Strider against Tony Gonsolin. 
And before the show ends, we got to give some praise to Tony Gonsolin. We got to give some praise to the Los Angeles Dodgers because what they've done without Walker Bueller, what they did for a while without Clayton Kershaw, uh, is nothing short of remarkable. But we'll get in detail about that a little bit later on. Uh, I want to talk about Austin Hayes. I want to talk about the Baltimore Orioles because uh, a couple of days ago, we had a, another cycle. It is our, I believe, our third of the third or fourth of the season. Uh, yeah, it was our fourth of the season. There have been 338 cycles in Major League Baseball history. Austin Hayes, and he managed to do it in his first four at bats in a game that was range shortened after six innings. I mean, that in it of itself is an incredible accomplishment. So on June the 22nd, that was Wednesday, Austin Hayes goes home uh, home a home run in the third. Let me see. So I think he was triple first. Let me look at Austin Hayes's batting, but I mean to complete the cycle, he's so first of all, he's so he's the leadoff hitter. Uh, he was the leadoff hitter in that game. Let's see all plays here. Let's go to the first. So in the first inning, Austin Hayes singled. That was his first at bat. He batted again in the third, and he hit a home run. He batted in the fourth, hit a triple. So we have single. Home run, triple. He does not come up in the fifth. He bats in the sixth inning. And he hits a double. So single, home run, triple, double was the order of the cycle for Austin Hayes. And the third cycle in the month of June across Major League Baseball. You had Jared Walsh. Uh, hit for the cycle on June 11th. I had thought it was a couple of nights ago, but this was actually on June the 11th. Um, Jared Walsh hit a cycle against the Mets. Speaking of the Mets, Eduardo Escobar hit for the cycle in San Diego for the Mets. And then you had Christian Yelich against the Cincinnati Reds, who, by the way, has three cycles in his career. The other two came in 2018, August 29th and September 17th. All three cycles in the career of Christian Yelich have come against the Cincinnati Reds. So they were victimized again on May the 11th. Um, on June 6th, it was Eduardo Escobar. And then on June the 11th, it was Jared Walsh. Jared Walsh, um, I believe he saved his home run for last that day. And, you know, that's you know, obviously... It's debatable what it's it's really debatable which one's the hardest because you know a triple you have to have the speed. I mean, you really got to have the speed to get around the bases. A home run if you're if you're strong enough, you're going to you know, you're going to you know, you're going to hit a home run at some point. So, in on June 11th, uh, Walsh actually strikes out in his first at bat and then in the third inning he hits a single. So now we got one on the board, so he's got the single. In the fifth inning, Jared Walsh hits the double. In the seventh inning, Jared Walsh homers. So he comes oh so close 
And in the uh, in the eighth inning, Jared Walsh tripled. Jared Walsh comes oh so close to the natural cycle. The natural cycle is single first, double second, triple third, homer fourth. He almost got that. But he hits the home run third and then the triple. He saved the triple. He saved the hardest leg of the cycle for last. You know, that's almost that's what is so impressive about certain cycles. Actually, the same thing happened with Eduardo Escobar on the sixth. Eduardo Escobar. He saved his cycle for last. He's his triple for last. Um, he singled in the first inning. This was the game. Uh, this was the game Blake Snell pitched against Carlos Carrasco. Uh, Eduardo Escobar singled in the first inning. In the third inning, actually, he did not bat in the third. In the fourth, he doubled. Okay. In the fifth, he popped out. So he's two for three. In the seventh, no, actually, the eighth, he, uh, Eduardo Escobar homers. So again, just like Jared Walsh, single, double, homer, triple. That was the order of the cycle. And then he triples in the top of the ninth. But I mean, th- think about it. It was a, it was a five to two game. And Eduardo Escobar was two legs shy going into the eighth inning. And he hits the home run. And then he hits the triple for the cycle. So those were the three cycles in the month of June. And then obviously last month we had the Christian Yelich cycle that we talked about on one of the recent episodes. But, you know, and I've heard this, you know, I've heard this on talk sports, talk radio, you know, sports talk radio, everywhere. What is more impressive, the cycle, the four home run game, or the no hitter slash perfect game? And to me, that the top two are the four home run game and the perfect game. Obviously, we haven't seen a perfect game since 2012. Felix Hernandez, the last one to do it. Um, we've had plenty of no hitters since, and that's still impressive. I mean, think about it. We've had three no hitters this year. Um, only one, Reed Detmers, uh, was able to go the distance. And obviously, the other two started by Tyler McGill and uh, four relievers. And then it was Jose Urquidy and um, two relievers. We've only had 17 four-home run games in Major League history. And if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, it's still 17. Uh, I think it's still 17, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, it is. But, yeah, and the last was... Let's see. The last to hit four home runs in a game. Well, this one doesn't. This one didn't update. Um, eighteen players. I'm sorry. Eighteen players in Major League history. Um, looks like it has not happened since J.D. Martinez did it with the Arizona with the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2017. And the cycle is again. This this now is the 338th cycle in Major League history. So incredibly impressive uh, feat for for all involved for Eduardo Escobar, Jared Walsh, 
and the latest Austin Hayes. But the Baltimore, but what I want to talk about is the Baltimore Orioles, a, a team that's playing a lot better baseball um, of late. And today, the Orioles, um, let's see, what did the Orioles do today, June 26th? The Orioles today came away uh, losing 4-3 to to the uh, Chicago White Sox. They fall to 34-40. and 40. They're still in last place in the American League East, but they've played um, some much better baseball of late. Um, the month of June has been um, very kind to them. And, you know, they're, they're, it seems like, you know, with Adley Rushman being called up, there seems to be, you know, the excitement of Austin Hayes. you got Cedric Mullins. Uh, there seems to be an excitement about this, the future of this team. And, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see how long it takes them to kind of work their way into contention. You know, what, you know, how many years, you know, whether it's going to be a couple of years, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, they, they've really hung around the, you know, they started the month, uh, on May 31st, they were 21 to 30. Um, and as of today, they go to 34 and 40. Um, so that's 13 wins, 10 losses, a winning record in the month of June. Uh, obviously, they still play. They still play three, uh, three more games. So we'll see if they, they come away with a winning June. But it's good to see some of these teams play some better baseball. You know, because there's so many teams that just don't have a chance, and it's really disheartening to see a lot of these teams just tanking and not look like they even have a remote chance. I mean, you look at the Detroit Tigers, the the Kansas City Royals, the Oakland A's, teams that just aren't trying. You know, the Nationals are in a rebuild. The Reds tore it down. You know, all these teams are not trying. The Orioles, you at least see a light at the end of the tunnel, and you kind of see all their all their prospects, you know, the guys that are coming up, the Rushmans, the Mullins, um, you know, those guys are starting to make an impact. And, you know, they only have a run differential of minus 25, which isn't all that bad, to be honest with you. Um, you, could do a, you could do a lot worse. I mean, look at the White Sox. They're 34 and 37, and then they have a run differential of minus 51. I mean, the A's are 24. I mean the the Mariners similarly thirty four and forty and they're at minus one but you know minus twenty five you could do a whole lot worse than that so I'm excited to see the future of the Baltimore Orioles obviously this year is not their year but you know going forward you know there's a lot to like about what you know what we've seen from their young players and speaking of young players that's going to segue me into. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates and O'Neill Cruz. Have you ever seen a six-seven shortstop? No, you haven't, because there has not been a six-seven shortstop. This man is six foot seven, two hundred and twenty pounds, and you know, so far, you know, we saw him a little bit last year. He had nine plate appearances, playing two games a year ago. Um, was three for nine last year. He did his Latin last year. He did his first major league home run. Uh, so far this year, he's seven for twenty-seven, which is a two fifty-nine batting average. A, a, a two, you know, he hasn't walked yet actually. Um, seven RBIs and an incredible arm. 
I mean, the 96-mile-an-hour throw from shortstop to first base, they believe is the fastest recorded ever. And, I mean, I don't know what his future holds in terms of defensively, whether he's going to stick at shortstop, because that's very big for a shortstop. You know, I've always said since Corey Seager came up, and Seager's six foot four, that I didn't think his future was at shortstop, yet here we are in his first season in Texas. He came up in 2015 with the Dodgers and, you know, was there until the end of last year. He's stuck at shortstop. Now, I don't know if being six foot seven is going to deter him from being a shortstop long term, but the Pittsburgh Pirates have a freak of an athlete. And this is what I'm talking about. With Cabrian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz, the Pittsburgh Pirates are another team. Now, they're 29-42, and you know they have no chance, but almost like not quite to the extent of the Baltimore Orioles. I see a little bit more with Baltimore than I do the Pirates. Um, but you kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean... You know, Jack Sawinski's 23 years old. You know, he, you know, he's provided some really big moments. He's only batting 214, but he's had a, a three-home run game in which the third home run was a walk-off. Um, they still look Brian Reynolds, but, I mean, Brian Reynolds might be a trade target, and, okay, that's kind of understandable. What you want to see from them, though, is where the pitching's coming from, and, you know, they really don't have anybody, maybe with the exception of Mitch Keller and Mitch Keller, and it hasn't been all that great, um, but Mitch is 26 years old. Maybe they're a fan of Ronci Contreras. We'll see. Um, but they have some really talented young players. Um, again, I don't quite see the light at the end of the tunnel like I do for the Baltimore Orioles. And the Baltimore Orioles are in a much tougher division. I mean, the New York Yankees, the, the Toronto Blue Jays who have World Series aspirations, um, I mean, look at the turnaround the Boston Red Sox have had. You know, a month ago, I was talking about, hey, maybe the uh, Mets can go after J.D. Martinez because they're going to be selling off. Maybe the Cardinals could go after Xander Bogarts, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the season, to upgrade their shortstop position because the Cardinals don't have a shortstop. Well, throw that out the window because the Boston Red Sox are playing good baseball. Now, they're 11 games out, but they're 42-31, and 31, and they are well in position. And I mean, they are well in position to, you know, hunt for the wild card. And, you know, they're up a game and a half in the wild card standings right now. So they're in good position. And they played incredible baseball over the month of June. And it's really saved their season. And I really think you got to give Alex Cora all the credit in the world. Uh, you know, they're still doing it without Chris Sale. We haven't really seen Chris Sale in about two, three years now. And they're a team that's piecing it together. They are playing good baseball. And they're a force. Now, the Yankees have played so well. I don't want to say the American League, American League East is over. But it's pretty close. You know, um, you know, you and en- they entered the month of June at twenty three and twenty seven after a nine and thirteen month of 
April. So they got off to a really rough start. They were 9-13 after the month of April. Um, you know, they finished 23-27, and 27, which is a 14-14 month. So, okay, they're playing a little bit better. Um, but right now they're 42-31 they're and 31 after their victory today. Um, you know, they have played, you know, they are 19 and, they're 19 and four. The Boston Red Sox are 19 and four in the month of June. Yet, they are where they started. The Red Sox started 11 and a half games out. They've gained a half a game on the New York Yankees. I mean, that goes to show you how great the Yankees are playing. Because the Reds because a 19 and 4 month gains you ground. Look at the Atlanta Braves. I mean, look at what the Atlanta Braves have done and the Mets are not playing bad baseball. The Mets have played decent baseball. And yet here the and here are the here they are. Here are the Braves are gaining all this ground. You know, they started the month of June. Another team that started the month of June, you know, really floundering a few games under 500. Perfect example. Just like the Boston Red Sox, the Atlanta Braves were 23 and 27. And they were 10 and a half games out. Since then, they're now, they ended last night five games out and would be four games out with a win today, five with a loss. But they, too, are 19 and 4, a chance for 20 and 4 in the month of June with the victory. Now, the only the difference between the Red Sox and the Braves is the the Braves had that 14 game winning streak. If I'm not mistaken, the longest that the Red Sox had, let me look at the Red Sox schedule in June. They did 3 6 7. The most they did was seven consecutive wins. Uh, and actually, they've done that twice now. The, with the win today, the Red Sox have won seven in a row. And, you know, now for them, the, the last couple of days they've been able to make up ground because the Yankees lost to the Astros. But that's been few and far between because the Yankees just haven't really been losing. You know, they have 20 losses you know they're thirty-one and nine at Yankee Stadium, and they're twenty-two and eleven away. I mean that's just unreal. So it's been hard for the it's been harder for the Red Sox to make up ground, and it's been pretty much impossible. The Braves have made up ground, and it's going to make it a fun division, a fun summer in the National League East. So you know we're really gearing towards an incredible second half. And you know, I, you know, I was wrong. I didn't think going into the season the Red Sox were a playoff team, and you know, they look every bit the part of a playoff team. I thought they were fourth. I really thought they were the fourth best team in the American League East. They might be the second. You know, I I, I had the Blue Jays just a little bit above the Yankees, and then I had the Yankees second, uh, a bit a bit above the Rays. But and the Blue Jays don't get don't don't be don't be fooled. Blue, Tampa Bay and Toronto are 40 and 32. They're having good seasons, right? And the Rays have won three in a row. But they're not even close compared to the Yankees 
And actually, I don't think they're that close to the Red Sox either. The Red Sox have scored the second most runs in the American League and the four, uh, fifth most runs in all the baseball. All right, so the Yankees are the league leader in runs scored. The Mets are two behind the Yankees at 365. And then you have the Dodgers at 359, the Giants at 352, and then you have the Red Sox at 351. The, the, the Jays have a respectable 39 run scored, but the Rays have only scored 292. They're, they don't really have a great offense, so I don't really buy much stock into them. So, the last team I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Dodgers, because you know, right now we're watching them play, and um, you know, you're looking at uh, and you're, you're looking at what they're doing on the, on the field. And you're looking at one of their pitchers who has really been a godsend for this team, given the state of their rotation with the injuries. You know, they had lost Clayton Kershaw for a while. Um, They currently are without Walker Buehler, who's on the 60-day IL. So that means you're not going to see him anytime soon. Now, now Walker pitched to a 4.02 ERA, but the last two starts were really, really bad. And... That really bloated that ERA. But you look at what you've gotten from the three guys who have been there since day one. And remember, Andrew Haney's been hurt too. And you know, in the bullpen, they just suffered a really big blow because Daniel Hudson suffered a torn ACL. And that's going to effectively end this season. Um, so getting the ball to Kimbrell. And Craig Kimbrell's not having a great season himself. You know, Craig Kimbrell has a, four, a 4.30 ERA. He's got 13 saves. Um, 11 walks in 23 innings, which is very concerning. Uh, his walks for as walks per nine is 4.3. Um, you know that's extremely concerning. Because if you look at the starting rotation, Julio Arias has a walks per nine of 2.2. Tyler Anderson, uh, who has been terrific, eight no 3.00 ERA in 11 starts, 13 appearances, 65 strikeouts in 72 innings. Uh, he's got a walks per nine of 1.5. Tony Gonsolin a little bit higher at 2.8 walks per nine inning. And Gonsolin's on the mound tonight for the Dodgers. 9-0 and with a 1.58 ERA. I mean, he might be the most unlikely uh, Cy Young candidate at this point of the season. You know, he's, you know, he's pitched 68 in the third innings. Uh, you know, 64, uh, 64 strikeouts. These are numbers entering to entering tonight's game. Obviously, so far, four scoreless innings. He's pitching in the bottom half of the fifth inning right now um, against the Atlanta Braves. But, you know, Walker Bueller, I'm sorry, you know, with Walker Bueller out, I mean, getting these guys to step up and, you know, Arias, despite the five and six records, a, two, a 2.48 ERA, uh, 71 strikeouts and 76 of the third innings. He's pitching some fine baseball. And, you know, Clayton Kershaw, who is now back, has made eight starts, five and one with a two with a two point zero zero ERA. So I mean Clayton Kershaw looks like Clayton Kershaw, but it's about keeping him on the mound. It's about keeping him healthy. And even with Walker Bueller out, it's a formidable four. Now, Mitch White has been getting the bulk of the fifth the fifth man. The fifth rotate, fifth, fifth spot in the rotation spot starts, and I, it looks like that's going to continue. Um, you know, 
Whether or not Mitch White pitches deep into ball games, we'll see if he becomes a, a true starter or if Dave Roberts is going to piggyback somebody else in the bullpen with him because, you know, early on, Tony Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson were kind of piggybacking each other, you know, because Andrew Haney was in the rotation. Obviously, you had Bueller. Um, you know, there was really a, no need for. There was really no need for um, one of those guys in the rotation. So it'll be interesting to see how how Dave Roberts handles this going forward because they're still going to need a fifth spot. You think they'd maybe trade for a starter? Um, around the trade deadline, you know, we're about a month away, a little bit more. Um, August 2nd is the trade deadline this year. And, um, you know, we'll see what the Dodgers do. But, I mean, you know, right now they're sitting at 44-26, the second-best record in the National League. Um, you know, they're always up there. And still one of the favorites for the World Series. So, you know, we'll see what happens in tonight's game. You know, we'll see what you know. We'll see what they do going forward. So, all right, that's going to do it for this edition of Baseball Banter. We will potentially return Wednesday. If not, we will return next Sunday with a all new episode. Um, some more excitement to talk about. We are. It's it's possible John uh, John Stewart joins me next Sunday. I will talk to him during the week, um, and we will maybe. Talk about the first half of the season because we're you know we are closing in on the official first half of the season because you know if you look at the, if you look at the Dodgers the forty four and twenty six that means they played seventy games tonight's game seventy one so we are full steam ahead towards the true midway point obviously the unofficial first half ends with the All Star break on July nineteenth so you know plenty more to come and we'll see how these teams continue to shape out. So you you catch it on Anchor. You can catch us on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, again, Spotify, Google uh, Google Podcasts. You can also follow this on – you can also listen to this on Sportswire Radio um, with, Tom, with, with Tom Bryce's station. Uh, he does a great job playing all the shows, um, you know, whether it's Pitcher Chronicles, it is Lift Off Jets, it is to, uh, Talking Rivals, you know. And catch me live every Friday night on the Sports Report um, with Tom and Tom and the guys, and you can hear my my baseball takes there as well. When we you know when we bring up, and you can hear all sports as well. But yeah, you can also catch us on the Dakota Media app. So there, this is in many different places, and don't forget to download, subscribe, give it a five star rating. Why don't you? So. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a good night.